Hello, this is James. It's uh, Wednesday, September 27th, and uh, this is Live a Larger Life. And on the while I'm in the thick of things for The Second Sex by Simone de Beauvoir, and on my, my journey for understanding more about feminism and its history, um, I was outside earlier this morning, soaking up some sun without sunscreen. Uh, I'm sure that'll come back to haunt me uh, later, just because I want to tell everyone about it. Not just the fact that I have sun, but that I'm being you know blatant, blatant about uh, getting sun on the skin. Anyways, and uh, I have discussed uh, with Fitness in Youth and Fitness in Relations podcast, largely around the um, the thing I keep landing on with female physical expression. And of course, it's around me. Uh, my wife uh, moves. My wife is pretty much at the point of being an autonomous mover. Um, I have children who um, play sport with intention and uh, belief in the things I've mentioned before of or I should say the knowledge and belief inside of free movement and uh, sport just being a current medium for that. Um, and I keep landing on this quandary of what what is the ultimate forms? Uh, the questions I'm, I'm continually trying to ask is what is the ultimate forms of female um, expression? If we were to uh, break male and female apart and signify some differences, which I will get to. Um, and if there are some differences, then what is the ultimate version of that? I spoke about it briefly uh, before under different headings on this podcast, but um, I had some things that I wanted to share on it. <laughs> And, you know, how we should go about thinking about it, uh, knowing full well that not a lot of people over the next number of years will actually change, while thinking and knowing that uh, a number of the females alive today uh, won't change to this, you know, utopia that I speak of in their lifetime. And if we know these things, and we know that, as I said before, sport is not an option, and the other options are not even options because they come with poor intentions of physical expression, and uh, you know, for um, competition or um, performance, um, which you know, I'll, I'll have these these darker background aspects to it, right? We'll just pick on one like, um, or a couple, uh, female rowing, female gymnastics, female uh, competitive dance, you know? 
And that doesn't inculcate all three of those into some darker things, but those who know, know on the inside of that and the behaviors it leads to and what the ultimate intentions are of everyone that's involved in those. But I, I shall not continue to go on like you see I can with regards to sport and that. Um, but that's why I wanted to call this, uh, start with a change maybe of naming and uh, calling it physical expression. I've been trying really hard to call it physical expression. And will that be the only name we'll stick on over time? Uh, maybe not. Um, but uh, we got to try. And so if it changes to things, like I'll interchange uh, some other labels today, uh, use words like physical challenges, um, you know, but uh, we have to, I think, over time, uh, start calling it those things. And that's why, you know, for today, I'll call it creative physical expression, as opposed to um, sport, you know. And we should call it that. I mean, it's what I'm what I'm asking for here is, yeah, uh, uh, just a just a, a contemplation that everyone should have on asking the question, no matter where you sit, you know, no matter what your, um, you know, matter matter who you are, no matter what your identity is, or you know, if you're a human and you can think then I want us to ponder on this, you know, what, what is the ultimate creative physical expression um, for females and what will get us out of, uh, in my opinion, a really dark period of time with regards to it. Um, uh, without even talking about who's to blame it's, and it may not be a who it may be a what, like what's to blame on it as opposed to a who, um, but that's for another time. Um, but let's call it creative physical expression. And um, I want to call it creative because um, it assumes that the autonomous female comes up with it. And it also assumes that there'll be uh, lots of variants. It also assumes that this female has to do all the things in their lifestyle uh, to be mentally acute and to be... Um, competent and educated in a particular area of their own creative physical expression autonomy. I think creative is also, um, as I'll get to, um, a slight difference in how it's perceived. Um, and this doesn't mean that uh, males are not creative, but um, I think that females may have a better ability um, for intuition to be creative in this physical expression. And um, I think in order to get there, it's uh, it's less coaching and less Instagram. It's uh, actually more self-confidence in being creative. And so, uh, you know, should we call, we should call it creative physical expression. And it is physical. Uh, well, I'm not talking about cognitive expression here. Um, and there are some nuanced areas, I guess. I mean, I look at, uh, um, the Rolling Stones going on tour again. I mean, it's physical, you know, I listened to Dave Grohl, uh, this summer, Foo Fighters up in Spokane. 
you know, and I, just if you were to counteract that over to a female, um, you know, unfortunately, Janice Joplin's not around, but it'd be interesting to see, you know, her at 80 years of age, you know, still trying to nail it. Um, maybe Joni Mitchell, if she passed, I apologize, but you know, anyhow, um, do you see there are some nuances in physical, What I'm, what I'm really, you know, we, we know everyone knows what I'm talking about, you know, it is, uh, physicality, exercise, fitness, that kind of, that kind of, uh, physicality. And it's not, um, uh, creative emotions or a creative thinking or creative cognition. Um, and we should call it expression. You know, uh, I know what we could get into by um, the subjectivity of the word. Um, but when I think of expression, I think of a um, a release, you know, um, and I think of good intentions. And um, I think of... Um, you know, uh, producing, you know, energy through work. Um, and I, I know that's in mechanical terms. Um, I can't help it inside of this meat sack to come up with those ideas based upon it for expression. But uh, yeah, it is an expression. And I know, especially over the past decade and probably for the next 10 years or so in this crisis period, we are going to have, uh, you know, a number of issues with bringing up that word, right? Because, you know, we hear lots about free expression, uh, express yourself freely, right? This is always in the context specifically today of media, um, or if you have an idea and you want to write about it or speak about it, you know, there's conversation about it. And there is, you know, uh, some wrongs happening with regards to this as to what we consider free expression and where does justice, you know, fit into that. Um, you could look at what's happening with uh, Russell Brand today as an example. And, uh, you know, regardless of what you think about either, if there are sides in this um, or a trifecta of uh, media, Russell and the former females, um, you know, it, that's where I'm saying that the word expression and free expression, you could see how it could get uh, lost. But I still want to use it. Creative physical expression. And I just thought of it as looking at the word physical expression earlier, that uh, maybe the future PE classes can be kept as that, you know, and uh, in a hundred years, they'll write books on what uh pe was um because pe is also inside of opex and uh pe they may look back and say you know in 100 years people may say oh it always meant physical expression and a lot a lot may say yeah it always meant physical expression when really it meant physical education and the original ideas around physical education were actually uh, quite positive, in my opinion. Um, and I, I come from the neighborhood of the uh, pedagogy inside of this area, so I do know the intentions. 
and it was to educate people on physical and on physicality and everything about it. And as I said, which I won't get drowned down in, but that got uh, corrupted by um, commercialization, by sport, by sports medicine, by academia and research, um, by big academia, you know, and paying to come and learn about these things. Um, and therefore, uh, uh, sport became the grade five PE class. And it wasn't educating on physical anymore. It was educating on sport, you know, just to weed people out. So that's why we should call it that, you know, what is, why creative physical expression versus any other. Um, and as I'll talk about, but I'll, but I'll speak just shortly about that. Um, and I've spoken at length about this. The other options are just not, not worthwhile. They're futile, um, and they result in a lot of bad behaviors. And I say bad, not in evil, but stupid. You know, um, yeah, they just end up uh, wasting a lot of females' lives. Um, it ends up in a lot of dismay, a lot of cognitive problems, physical problems, emotional problems. Um, largely due to something they were sold, uh, that this is what they were going to get out of that, you know? And it's not just two lanes, but it's either sport or it's uh, body objectification slash, you know, narcissism slash mild porn, actually, uh, slash, um, you know, uh, per performance you know, online performance, really. Um, so it's not just two lanes, but those are two ugly other option lanes. Anyhow, won't get drowned in that. When I first thought about, you know, what, um, without jumping around, because I'll get to that of my experiences of it, but, you know, you do want to ask the question, you know, what do, why should I have anything to say about uh, it? And it shouldn't just be my coaching practice or um, my former coaching practice or uh, my former coaching practices and experiences. Um, I should also uh, give a bias, you know, opinion and clarity, just in case those don't know, you know, some simple things like I was born in 1974 um, in Wabush, Labrador. And, um, my, you know, and my childhood and then my teen years and university years and adult years and leading up to now, um, those all go into, you know, strengthening just for anyone who's listening, but strengthening my position on, you know, may not necessarily being a right, a correct position, but at least strengthening my position on why I could say what I want to say with regards to this. And I remember um, in childhood experiences uh, for female expression. And when I think about that, um, I actually don't have uh, a lot of, you know, a lot of uh, memories 
to be completely honest. So if I was to say, you know, up to, you know, preteen, you know, um, you know, I, I thought hard about it and I'm sure it was happening. Um, but there wasn't a lot, you know, the, the couple of things that gleaming in my mind were, um, I did figure skating at age, uh, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, perhaps. And yeah, uh, Janine Dobbin, uh, I remember her, I think Tracy Keating was also skating at the time, maybe even Sherry Miles. Sherry passed away with uh, meningitis um, when we were young as a classmate. It's pretty sad. But uh, I don't remember a lot, like, you know, just looking around, you know, going back at that time. Maybe it's because I'm going to be 50 too, soon, too, and I don't remember a lot. But but it is important for my story today that I don't have a lot of childhood, female, uh, creative, physical expression examples. Um, you know, really close to me, I don't remember my sisters, older and younger sisters. Um, you know, maybe I was in my own world and I didn't actually look around, but maybe I was just so young where you're just focused on what's right in front of you. And I did sport, you know, and I was very active outside, you know, the classic, I guess you could say the 80s kid in Canada or Northern Canada, Northern cold Canada, where you're, uh, you know, you play street hockey until you got to be called in. Um. So yeah, that was my childhood memories of that. Now, my teen years, um, I think largely because I started to recognize that I did like females, this could have something to play with, you know, just raising your head up and looking around. But no, in my teen years, I did have some, um, actually, there's a number of females that I have to mention and also thank for that with regards to expression. Um, and two that come to mind is Donna Hicks and Joanne Cluett. Now, um, both in, in, in different ways you'll see here. Um, Joanne was a year older than me and she played as the time, you know, as I entered into my teen years in a school setting, uh, she played multiple sports um, so did I, it was a big thing to play school sports. I also played community hockey and community soccer, but I did play a number of other sports, uh, for school, which was fantastic, um, for my own experiences. But I do remember, uh, having respect for the capabilities of, uh, I would call it Joanne and her posse. Uh, because there was a number of them that I, but I'll just mention Joanne as an example that um, Kelty McCara, uh, the Beresford twins, Dana Martin. Um, there were a number of females who I wouldn't just go to watch them to be Gaga. Although I was a young strapping uh, male in my teens. <laughs> I did appreciate that too, but I, I know I appreciated it because I also, and I'm jumping forward here, also really enjoyed watching the um, the university female um, athletes play. 
um, as much as the males, you know? Anyways, I had those around me. Um, and then Christina McDonald, she played on the, 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 um, provincial soccer team and was a, a good friend of mine, um, came to visit me in the hospital when I broke my leg almost every day until I left to go back home. Um, yeah, so I had, and Donna, Donna played, uh, hockey. It was her and Christy, Krista Malali. Um, they played hockey with us. Now we had at this time, and I think this, remember this was, uh, the mid eighties into late eighties. And Donna was one of very few females that, uh, wanted to play hockey and there wasn't female leagues. And so she played with us and she played community hockey with us. Um, and it was a mi mixture of abilities, but there was a respect built in there. Um, and sometimes when respect wasn't shown for Donna, um, someone would kick the crap out of that person who didn't show respect. So there was this, and Donna didn't mind it. She also wasn't disappointed that that respect was shown, but there was this, there was this, uh, welcomed and well, you know, respected opinion of everyone's abilities. Anyways, she played with us. I liked having, I liked having her as a winger, actually. Um, she had a knack for just, um, getting in position. Um, her and Bobby Abbott and myself had a line on a, on a community team. Yeah, man, we, we crushed it anyhow. Um, yeah. And she also did the same thing as Joanne. She's the same age as me though, for school sports. And, uh, I would say she was far more, um, capable and successful at soccer, uh, and hockey, uh, than the others. I could be wrong on some of those other ones, but I just know that if I was doing a comparison, Joanne also did things like I did like cross country running and badminton because I played against Joanne my first couple of times in grade nine and 10 and, uh, got whipped. And then as I got into grade 11, um, I started beating her. I think that's when we had Gonzo Bennett and, uh, maybe Gonzo Bennett into Frank Fu as coaches. Anyways. Um, so you could see that my teenage years were filled with uh, this formative, um, female physical expression and, you know, I'm leaving out a bunch after that, but you could see how it was changed. Then in my university years, I always already jumped forward to it. But um, as I looked around, I saw, you know, in the strength conditioning center uh, when I, where I started my training, this was in 94, I believe. Uh, yeah, it was 94. Um, yeah. So next year is going to be 30 years. Wow. Anyhow, um, yeah, I remember looking around and seeing um, a nice balance, you know, of uh, female expression in the gym and a wonderful expression um, in the pool, um, on the ergs, uh, and up in the gymnasium. And it, you know, it uh, kept forming an impression for me, you know. But you could see all along here, I've mentioned nothing around, you know, just in my eyes, what I deem to be physical expression that's outside of sport or performance. I think that's important.
Uh, then as I became an adult and started doing the training thing up in Calgary, um, it really moved into males and females in fitness. In the odd time, there was a, uh, you know, a, let's call it a female team that would consult, that I would consult with or would ask for my contractual um, contract, basically, with the work with the team to do strength conditioning for them. It was volleyball and uh, some individual swimmers, uh, some soccer teams, some individual uh, female hockey players. Yeah, and was, there was others as well. Um, but mainly it was, let's call it recreational pursuits of fitness that helped other people if they did something outside of that. So my adult years, I had the most um, impression on female physical expression because, you know, as the story goes, I did uh, a lot of consultations and assessments and worked with a number of females. Um, and then after 10 years or so, when the CrossFit years came around and then the competitive nature of CrossFit and mixed modal kind of blended into, you know, working with the athlete or working with the human, um, it just layered, you know, more and more of these essential differences between males and females. And also, uh, it heightened my sensitivity to female expression because I could just look over and see female athletes expressing and then look over and see uh, these healthy, vital females not doing that. And then you can't, you know, you can't look away from that. So it, it, uh, it allowed me to, you know, now when I look around, and see, you know, what's going on, um, big picture, as they say, the 30,000 foot view. Um, it's, it's not great, you know? Um, and I don't want to sound like a, um, uh, a climate, climate alarmist or, uh, a political pundit, you know, screaming for that the end of democracy is, is near. Um, but I'm not, I'm not too impressed. Uh, by what I see for female creative physical expression. And um, and I think I want to change it. And I want to have a part to play in that. And uh, what it looks like uh, is, you know, is probably going to be uh, something different than, than everyone might be expecting uh, as to my recommendations. But that just gives you a background of, you know, my childhood and teenage years and university years and adulthood. Um, and I know I was short on it, but the adulthood and the adult years, let's just think of the timelines there. Um, 19, so the beginning of OPEX in 1999. Wow, next year's going to be 25 years of OPEX. Or what, you know, OPT into OPEX. Get up a party. Get up a big party. Um, and I'm going to be 50. So I'm going to be 50, 30 years of coaching, 25 years of OPEX. I think it's time for me to shut it down. Right. I pretty much am anyhow, but, um, but that, that background should give you an idea and the, it was short, it seemed short in the adult years, but that's not on purpose because that's where a lot of my opinions were formed. And as I said, it justified all that I know to be true, not only the differences between males and females, but, um, you know, what we should do, uh, for 
female physicality. Now, of course, always, you know, one wants to ask, you know, if you're going to take on this burden of having something to say about uh, what should be, you know, what is and what should be creative physical expression for females, um, I think we have to ask the same questions like I did overall just for the concept of uh, fitness. So to to reorganize and to re-educate and to reform really the language since uh, Glassman's real, you know, knock at it uh, with regards to knock at it, meaning like trying to tackle the concept of what is fitness, um, you know, and I've changed it, of course, to be not fitness. I changed it to vitality. And uh, so if we're going to start, we probably want to ask, you know, what's the ultimate ideal of vitality for females? And then we can lead back to what, you know, that life means to get to vitality. And then we can talk about some basics, but um, you know, and this goes into one of these essential differences um, in case it's not clear. Um, the sexual reproductive organs and sexual reproduction and uh, the ability to have children, whether uh, they do or they do not, um, would be an indication of, of what would be considered quote unquote healthy enough. Therefore, the ultimate ideal vitality um, uh, for female for females has to have um, that in the you know under parentheses or in brackets or you know next to the you know the um, ultimate definition of let's call it the ultimate healthy female. I've spoken about this before. Um, and having children, um, let's say uh, five kids, um, and you don't need to have them. I'll make my point clear here. Um, but you need to be capable of having five kids. Okay. Um, now, I want to take males out of the picture here. Um, and they can be certainly... Um, to blame for a lot of the issues that no one likes to talk about today with regards to reproductive um, in, in, in capabilities. But that's for another time. But I do want to take them out of it and just say, you know, well, what is the, what's the ultimate vitality for females? It would be, you have to be healthy enough to have five kids without having them. You know, if you want to have them, that's fantastic. Um, if, if so, if one so chooses, right? Um and that reproductive capability, I think, is right next to the ultimate level of vitality. Um, and I think it's turtles all the way down, as Glenn Lowry likes to say, if you don't start with that premise. And I'll restate it again. Um, the ultimate vitality for females under this banner of physical expression um, has to be any form of physical expression is going to lead them to be able to have five kids in their birthing years. Okay. Now, to be able to, I want to clarify that again. Now, the only reason why I'm saying that today is because I'm, I'm a rational, modern person. Um, I also know, you know, separation conversation for another time on 
uh, cost of education, cost of housing, cost of gas, uh, cost of children, um, the 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 lack of good partners out there, uh, <laughs> a bunch of men idiots out there. Um, you know, that's for, for another time, right? But if you're going to enter into that to say, what is the ultimate vitality uh, for physical expression? It is that. And there's a lot that uh, there's a lot that that, of course, there, that comes with that, because if you are, if you are uh, a female that's capable of um, and it doesn't have to be these things, but a natural birthing process for five kids from, you know, 20 to 34 years of age. Um, there's so many things that come with that that lead to long-term physical health that is different than males, right? If it's not obvious to you, you know, males can't have five kids. Uh, males can try to uh, reproduce every day for 14 years. <laughs> um, doesn't mean that you'll be successful in it. Um, so I hope that makes sense with regards to it. And it has to be that, you know, uh, again, I'll repeat that it doesn't mean they have to have children, but they have to be physically healthy enough to have children uh, and five of them. And it's not, and the reason why I say five, so it's not just one shot in the dark. And if those years um, are that, then it probably means that you had a good growing period, like a good physical expression growing period and a good balance of it. Um, you have a good, you know, this word's used you know, incorrectly again today, but you had, you've had resilience. So you have physical resilience. Um, you can do a bunch of things, you know, at one time, if it's not obvious, you know, with four or five kids. And there's a lot of things like uh, you don't have menses for, for many, many months and many years. Um, you breastfeed, uh, you have vaginal births. Um, uh, you now you know, indirectly have purpose for uh, many, many years to come um, of, of those children. Maybe they're going to have grandchildren. And so now you're 55 and 60 and you've got, I don't know, 10 grandkids. Um, that's a spark. So, and I'm only isolating females in this as an example of that, but that is ultimate uh, vitality, uh, not only in my opinion, that is that's factual with regards to it being the top-down importance inside of this creative physical expression. Okay. And you can, you know, if you want to pause here and contemplate after I mentioned this as a thought experiment, you could take the thought experiment of the future holding, you know, a lot of females who do not have children, you know, but they still are capable of it. Okay, and so for whatever their forever their reason with their partner as well or by themselves, which they have every right to for their own uh, reasons for those things, they decide not to. Then, if they are still capable of having children, um, the only thing that they're going to be missing out on is they're going to have many, many more um, menses, 
they're going to, they're, they're not going to have, um, a shot at breastfeeding and they're not going to have a shot at a natural process, which is a vaginal birth. You know, so it makes you just ask the question, well, if it's there, i.e. the, the canal and, you know, um, the birthing process and the ability to have a child and bear a child, right? If it is there and it's capable, it does make you question, you know, and I, I'm not, I shouldn't be the one that's the qualifier in determining what is the health on it. I'll get you to do some reading so you can see it for yourself. Um, but there's an abundance of literature and experience uh, when you, you got to just got to dig hard, of course, because no one wants to, of course, what you're going to hear is, you know, um, you know, baby food formula, you know, formula is fine on day two, you know, uh, C-sections, you know, three or four times, no big deal. This, you know, so, and, and again, I, I just bring those up as, you know, options because they are, um, but do your own reading on it. There's, there's a plethora of evidence to show that, uh, vaginal birth, uh, breastfeeding and, uh, and a number of children, uh, safely for mom and child, um, is very, very, um, healthy. Um, as you know, if you're not aware, I mean, humans are amazing and female humans are ultimately amazing. And, you know, I'll use that big and natural. It's a natural process to have it that way. Um, and it was though drowning down in that. I, I need to start with that to say, if you're going to ask the question, what's the ultimate ideal vitality for females? It's to be healthy enough to have a number of children. Um, and without hitting on it right now, you know, we're, you know, where how that makes it confusing for today, right? Because a lot of people will look around and see so much technology and so much medicine that have short-tracked the opportunity for everyone to be able to uh, participate in that game of reproduction. Um, and I just want you to pause for a second and don't be afraid of saying, well, what would be the most natural option of that? And how do we get more people to it? And you know how you do that? is is not by kicking the shit out of uh, females when they're young um, or not having them uh, hate physical activity when they're young or not having them think that ob objectification and sexual connotations uh, online is is the is the example of physical expression that leads them to this point as adults in order to have children right? Because that's, you know, and that that's what makes me, as I said, like a rational modern thinker is, yeah, I mean, it's 2023. There's a shit ton of really beat up 30-year-old um, females, as an example, who can't get pregnant. And without laying a hand whatsoever or a thought whatsoever on the reason for that, um, I just want to point my finger at things that I know to be true that there's a lot of lifestyle things that went on from ages three to 30 that could have prevented that. And one of them is sport. Um, and the other is objectification um, or what society told them they needed to uh, be perceived as out there. 
So share your workouts and share your diet and share your cooking skills and take a video of this and blah, 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 right? Sorry, I get drowned out in that. Yes, that's first and foremost what you need to ask. If we were to ask the question to uh, to lead into some you know basics, so what to get to what what should one do for physicality? Um, which is the name of the show? You know what what does a larger life mean for a female? What does it mean? You know, so ask that question for yourself, right? Also recognize, like me, you could be wrong in your answer, but at least you're asking the question. Maybe you should write it down. Write this down. What, in my say, in my opinion, what does a larger life mean for a female? In my opinion, uh, which means it's only my opinion and my point of view. The opinions that I share on Live a Larger Life do not represent uh, OPEX and its. <laughs> um, it's uh, a strong mind. I'll say that um, number one. And so, how that gets played out in two thousand twenty-three, it's education and uh, educational opportunities. And hopefully that would lead to um, strong minds and growing minds. And I just want to, I'm going to circle that so I know where I'm going, going with it. You know, I'll, I will ask this again too, I think somewhere else, but why does learning stop after university? There could be those that could uh, say, um, you know, oh, there's things that the the general collective females do after university. Um, yeah, what are they? What are the things that are as robust, or if it's not as robust, um, as challenging to learning? I think scrolling is uh, learning twitter scrolling or instagram tiktok scrolling is that learning let's say uh, on average those adult females after university spend two hours a day on that then you should ask the question what could they be doing that would indicate learning to you right not that you have a picture in that but why doesn't learning continue after that um and it's not that it doesn't, but we need to maybe think a lot harder about what learning looks like. Of course, I'm biased on this. It's the third arm of the things that we talk about. You know, eat real food, move every day, learn. Learn and adapt. And they all work together, right? So what does a larger life mean for a female? In my opinion, first and foremost, it's education and all the things that go with that. Um, 
more recently, especially in North America, or I should say USA, we're starting to see some positive changes on that. Um, even as of today, um, continues to the school choice movement continues to move across the country. Uh, for those who are adults about the topic, um, and those who are not in a teacher union, um, you may want to read more about this around all the positive things that are inside of that. And you know it's good because there's uh, so many people that uh, dislike it, that really dislike the idea of school choice across the states. And the things they come up with are ludicrous. Pointing their finger at classic racial stereotyping or segregation, um, caste differences, et cetera. It's disgusting without even reading like what is actually taking place with regards to that. North Carolina, I think yesterday, just moved into now the 11th or 12th state to do that. School cho choice vouchers or uh, just school choice opportunity. So what does it mean? A large, what does a larger life mean for a female? First and foremost, in my opinion, it's education. Um, and there, as I said, there's a lots more inside of what that looks like. Um, and to make it real simple, more math, less gender studies. That would be a simple way of saying what should be inside of that, which t tells you about basics. More history, uh, literature, computation. Yeah, more of that, more of the basics. Uh, I think also inside of a larger life, in my opinion, is I think the triad of children, vocation, and a partner is, in my opinion, uh, inside of a larger life for a female after a strong mind or an educated mind. So having children, uh, having a job, and having a partner. Um, and, and now, and there is, there is, especially with my dive into feminism and the histories around that and society and the female, et cetera, there could be, you know, lots of, you know, argument inside of this. You could, you could take away children and just say vocation and partnership. Uh, you could just focus on partnership and say, well, what does that mean? You know, multiple partners, uh, polyamorous, monogamous, you know, et cetera. Um, should you have contractual obligations in marriage? What's your conversation on prenups? That would just be inside of just isolating the partnership aspect. Or you could just say vocation, you know, and what does that mean? And um, I think isolated alone, uh, you're going to get into trouble. That's why I put them as a triad. Meaning, um, and it is my belief because I've seen it just so often that in reduced language of a sentence, females, in my opinion, uh, can and do a much better job at multiple things. Um, and I'll use the word uh, juggle 
You know, juggle doesn't mean it's loose. No, if you juggle things, you're just assuming that the people are going to drop things. But I think females can do and should do all those things, children, vocation, and partnership. We seem to forget too that, uh, and I mean, when people, what I mean by people getting isolationist and they get broken in this is they, is they say, uh, yeah, okay, so if the female um, wishes to, because she has every right to, and my belief, sh she should go after it, um, work uh, and do vocation, let's call it something else that makes it softer, like, I don't know, contribute to society, you know? So if she wants to do that outside the home, um, then who's going to watch the kids, you know, and people don't generally continue on with playing that out. They actually don't look around either, you know, of the options that are in place for that. Immediately they'll stop it. Yeah, but a home is this and childcare is this cost. Okay. Are you going to stop there? Cause I'm just going to show you where it actually does occur and it does happen. Sure, there's troubles and sure there's challenges, but it still happens. You know, and you just have to think more broadly. Maybe um, one of the partners, male or female, um, takes time away from the job for a couple of months. And then on the second child, maybe it's reversed. And then the third child's reversed back. Like, that's it. And if you're just going to, you know, you're going to stop there in your thinking to say, oh, can't have that. It's just not the way things work today. No, you're, you're forgetting about the freedoms that you have to set that life up for yourself. Anyways, you will get into trouble if you do not, you know, open your mind to that concept of children and vocation and partnership as under the idea of a larger life for a female. Just to back up here, remember, we're still discussing the ideal vitality so we can lead into physical expression. But we have to start with what is ultimate vitality, and then what does living a larger life mean? Yeah. And I think another that uh, almost complements everyone doing the basics um, that I've seen signs of as well through my practice is, again, it comes back to the importance of biology and sexual reproduction and sexual reproduction health. For females, if they ease into menopause towards death, and I'll use the word ease, E-A-S-E, -E, um, that's a pretty good sign, in my opinion, to a larger life. Um, I've discussed it numerous times before, but again, I still think it's important for the conversation to be had more often today in modern times of the reality that as homo sapiens, we just do not have enough practice with so many people living to 85, 90 years of age. And it's obvious, you know, our welfare systems, Medicare systems, social security systems, right? They're, they're just, they're archaic to uh, this, you know, influx of people along with technology and things that we have today, like clean water for a number of people, refrigeration, et cetera, um, knowledge, you know, th this leads to people living longer, which everyone is having parties for, right? But I just don't think we have enough experience, you know? Um, 
And I'll say it again, this doesn't mean that, you know, 200 years ago, there weren't people that lived to 90 um, or 85. I don't know what number should I choose to make you more comfortable, right? 80? Okay, 200 years ago? Man, it's hard to come by, right? So if that's hard to come by, um, the story won't be written, right? Because you're just, you fragmented it, the ability to look at, you know, out of a hundred uh, of those, there was also, you know, a million that didn't make it to 85, that actually barely made it to 50, honestly, 200 years ago. So if that's the case, and now let's just think about it for females, um, my opinion is that Homo sapien has not had enough experience on top of industry and technology to really still know how to deal with and help um, a female postmenopause towards death. Doesn't mean it works out sometimes and et cetera, but so I'm going to say that under that idea of what a larger life means for a female, um, it has to have that as a, uh, as a third arm education, number one, uh, the triad of children and vocation and partnership as number two, and then the ease towards death as number three. That's what a larger life would mean. And you know, you notice, uh, I wonder if anyone noticed there, it has nothing to do with your followers. That's not even on the list of what a larger life means. It has nothing to do with how many people like you. It has no, or friends on Facebook. It's got nothing to do with that. As I said, it's not even on the list. And I've asked you to ask that to yourself, but I've just given you my personal opinion on it. So now if we know what the ultimate ideal vitality is as a placeholder for how we determine that based upon sexual reproduction capabilities, and then second, defining what the larger life means, then we could move into what we know, well, what I know, but what we don't practice, uh, what should one do uh, for physicality then? What should one do for physicality to ensure that this happens? That someone has, a female has a larger life, right? So what should they do for physicality to ensure that they have the opportunity for education, to ensure that they can have children, to ensure that they can do work, to ensure that they have a partner, to ensure that they ease into menopause towards death? What should one do? What should one do? Well, we start with the intentions. That's why I say people should do it because they can. And they should do it for them alone. And they should do it for the sake of it. So whatever they do for physicality to ensure that this larger life and vi ultimate vitality happens, they have to do physicality, creative physical expression, because they're capable of doing it. That's the first premise. You need to do physical expression because you can. You are capable of doing tough physical challenges. You are capable 
of hiking long distances. You are capable of punching something really freaking hard. You are capable of doing step-ups or walking lunges. You are capable of hanging from rings and swinging wildly. Clothes on or not is not necessary if it's in your backyard. <laughs> you are capable of riding a bike with a skirt. <laughs> You're capable of swimming long distances. You're capable of running. See that these are human actions. So what do you do for physicality to ensure that you have a larger life and to ensure that you have uh, healthy reproductive capabilities? You first have to do whatever you're going to do because you're capable of doing it. If you add to that, you need to do it because it's for you. So do it for you alone. That is a, um, that has to be spoken of today in modern times because of where we are. You know, we're 30 years into this chaotic information age, um, nonsense and cesspool. And we still don't know how to deal with it with regards to self-perception or truth and knowledge. So that's what I mean when I say, if you are female and you're going to do physicality for a lifetime, you need to do it for you. So yeah, every push-up that you do, every extra push-up that you get, you know, you move from this bullshit half push-up and no one knows that you did it right and you move from that to like five in two months like legit you know legit unjudged but legit in your own mind full core tight only nipples touching the ground push-up five of them in two months right and as by, as I say, no one knows about it. Only you know about it. Do you see this? You have to develop this thinking and inspiration in your own mind. So that's what I mean as an example. When I say do it for you, do the five push-ups and the improvement of that in two months for you alone, not to, sh to show a boy, not to show a girl, not to even show off to anyone around you. And do it because it helps you, right? That's what I mean by do it for the sake of it. Just do it because we can and it's there. It's right there. Do it for the sake of it. Exercise for the sake of itself.
Now, of course, the what. Um, in principle, in order to get this to happen, um, before laying out examples and a plan and going over those examples and a plan, it seems like I'll probably be doing it for the rest of my life. Um, or maybe I won't, maybe I'll just, you know, be a period of time, you know, in a hundred years, people look back and go, yeah, James just talked about it for that 2023 and then never talked about it again. So I wonder if it, if he stopped believing in it. <laughs> no, it's just that, uh, it's exhausting to give the examples and have no one follow through with it or, or actually participate because it's not sexy or entertaining or they can't share it with someone else, right? They can't, they, it's like, huh, why would I do it if, if no one knows I'm, if no one knows I'm doing it? Or why would I do it if it doesn't, uh, doesn't guarantee me, um, success in two weeks? So in principle, it does actually start before the children are born, right? If you're, again, we're taking this 30,000 foot view. If you wanted to make a big movement, it starts with the parents. The parents have to become autonomous movers, free movers. The adults, before they have children, and they have to believe in this, right? What I mean by, that's what I mean by my uh, six Fs, the small F faith. You got to have faith. And you got to have faith because there's no, you can't rely on research. Not because I do believe that 90% of it is, is garbage anyways, but you're not, you're never going to find research. I always give the example you know, um, the, ex the examples and the experiences out there, but you're never going to find research that shows that moving every day, eating real food and learning and adapting is better than any form of uh, therapeutic intervention today for obesity, right? You're never going to find research on that. Now, there could be a number of you on this who are like, oh, but I know that's true. Yeah, but you're never going to be able to prove it someone with literature or research. So that's what I mean. You just got to have, was it Kierkegaard who said that? A leap of faith. You just got to make the jump, I, but I call it a small f, faith. Right? And it also shows that uh, you're willing to do the hard work long term. But in principle, it starts with the parents before the children are born, because if those people, before they actually reproduce and have children, to have the discussion around what those children should do, which I'm going to get to is number two, um, they have to be role models for that, you know? So let's, let's give exa an example here, okay? So you're 30 um, as a female, um, your partner is 29. It's a male and you naturally have a child. Okay. That means that, uh, you both worked together for a couple of minutes and it worked and, uh, that egg is fertilized and, uh, it's growing 
It's growing into a human. And that human is born. Vaginal birth, participates in breastfeeding, loved, secure, uh, unbelievable experience. Now, if those two adults, for years prior to that, when they were 23 years of age, up to 30-ish and 29, they participated in their own exercise program. Right? They did their own physical expression for those things that I talked about, right? For them alone, because they're capable of it, you know, then you can ask the question, well, what do they do as acting as role models that get passed on to their kids? And so you can see, you have to start with the parents. Now, in short time, I'll get to my, my pessimism on things actually changing on that. But, you know, in principle, you would start with parents before the children are born. And those parents have to be free movers. That means that you design your own programs. There's no cost to it anywhere to be found, any trails, no, no trails of cost whatsoever. The knowledge is free and it's out there and you've grasped it and you're doing it and no one knows about it. You're not telling anyone about it. And you have to believe that that's the best pathway for you, what I'm calling small f faith. Then if you have kids, yes, those kids on Monday and Wednesday and Friday should do hard physical challenges. Like roughhousing, the playground. Yeah. Hard physical challenges. Now, the reason why I give days and I at least take a stab at this is because the other option of just free play, in my opinion, has resulted in has resulted in absolutely nothing. No, no, no ground gained on that. What I mean by that is that if you believe that free play is a better option than this because it's too challenging to isolate the days of the week because, I don't know, something happens on your Monday, I'm talking big picture here for most. And I'm also saying that I'm actually giving examples and a shot at it. I also think this needs to be in place when they're three years of age, as an example, because it needs to be stamped in for the rest of their life. Because the other options of, oh, just doing it because everyone else does. Why are you going to the playground? Well, that's what everyone else does. You know, it leads to the meeting, right? The, what I would call the encroachment of the 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 minor soccer coach, right? Who comes and finds your child. That's what it leads to. This unconscious acceptance then of your uh, child being thrown to the wolves. So that's why I say it. Monday, Wednesday, Friday, hard physical challenges, roughhousing, playground, you know, tough physical challenges that even a young kid 
can't sustain. So yes, for the scientist out there in you, those are unsustainable contractions. Those are the ones that even a young child can't do. I wish I had such technological prowess to post right now a video of Hannah at four years of age, still trying to hang as long as possible on the at the playground. And then, of course, show her sister to do it. And then, of course, she she asked her sister to hang on to her feet, and then she tried to hang. You know, it's just a beautiful example of an internal progression built inside. My whole point being there is that that is a hard, what I'm describing as a hard physical challenge. You know, look into the literature on roughhousing and play, um, playful actions of young people and small people. Small people meaning, um, you know, children. Um, you're going to get a lot of it at the playground. And if you don't, if you if you're again, you're stopping your thought process because you don't have a playground that's close by. You got to make your own playground, you know. And if you're stopping there, oh, it's too costly. You got to look at nature. And if you're stopping there, you're like, oh, I don't have nature. You got to look at the space you have right around you. Okay. Think harder. Remember, this is after, of course, parents are bought into being autonomous movers, of course, right? Because you can imagine a parent who's lazy um, and a parent who is uh, who loves the therapeutic paradigm, right? Talks a big talk on the newest equipment they have in their home gym and high-intensity interval trainings and keto diets. And, you know, they talk a big talk um, and they think that their kid doesn't recognize that they're a fraud, right? They do. Your kid sees that you're a fraud. You're a hack. Trying to hack biology, trying to hack the system. So no, I'm not talking about that as a parent with this child doing that. And I'll get to that, but I don't think that'll be a change. So that's what you're going to do on Monday, Wednesday, Friday. Tuesday, Thursday, Saturday, Sunday. These should be easy and long challenges. Long physical challenges. Uh, for young people, if it's you're not aware of it, games can do that. Hide and seek does that. Uh, hikes can do it. Bike rides, swims, um, bike ride and swim with parents, you know. And you could you could put all your if you're a, a zealot for, you know, uh, sport. You know, you dying to have your kid in a sport. Um, just remember, it's going to come back to haunt you. But that's where I put games in, right? So if you take away all the point scoring, et cetera, just think of this example. Um, you know, adults and four-year-olds all go to um, a green space. And so for uh, there's two adults for every four-year-old, okay? And uh, that means that, you know, approximately you know, 33% of all the humans in the green space are really tiny people. But then you also have adults. Are you going to try to tell me that, you know, all these adults can't come up with some kind of consistent, easy, sustainable physical challenges in a game that can involve all these, right? You know why we get frustrated around that? It's because the, of the construct of what we know around sport 
you know, we draw these lines and borders and have these rules, right? So why can't you just go to a green space and just like run around and play games, just do things that's sustainable? Like I said, hide and seek, hiking, carry the four-wheel for a while, play in nature on that hike, get them to do some walking themselves, have little fun sprint games up and down the hill, have a hide and seek while you hike. Why don't you do bike rides, you know, get them on those bikes without the pedals, you know, go for a distance. If you as a parent are saying, as you're hearing this, well, that's not going to burn calories. Well, I'm not going to get my total steps in, right? This means that you're not included in this because you're not autonomous, right? You're a slave to the system, right? You can't do anything without getting a calorie burn. Or you can't do anything so it's equal for you to eat enough food to balance that out. Or you have been caught, like I have been previously, and I know what it, I know what that's like, uh, of the adrenaline curve and cortisol hopping. And so it's very tough to pull away from that. I get that. So after it starts with the parents, so they being, the children can become autonomous movers. And then they have this belief in it as a parents. Excuse me, I'm going to sneeze. So I'm going to plug up my nose so that I don't sneeze. Then for those young people and for the rest of their life, these females on Monday, Wednesday, Friday do hard physical challenges. And on Tuesday, Thursday, Saturday, Sunday, they do easy physical challenges. That is the answer. That is the answer. Now, let's think about today. It's 2023. We look around. You can ask the question, can a young girl change today? Right? So just see if we're, you know, just look around and say for these, um, and let's, let's make this easier. Um, They have their, should we say, their wits about them. Okay, so they're 25. Look around at all 25-year-olds. Um, so everyone, every female out there today on the planet that was born before the year 2000, okay? What's the chances uh, per, or the percentage of chance that... Um, a number of these become believers and an actor in the vitality model, right? So with previously what I said with the principles of Monday, Wednesday, Friday, Tuesday, Thursday, Saturday, Sunday, they had parents who were, who were like that. Maybe they didn't, but you know, you're looking around saying, okay, uh, I get, I get what you're saying. And so if I'm looking at a 20 year old female today as a client, these are the things I'm going to be teaching her, right? About these healthy basics of sexual reproduction and defining what a living a larger life is and focusing on it for herself, right? And because she's capable, I get that. But you're telling me if I have other clients, you know, and they're female, there's no chance in hell. That's pretty much what I'm telling you. I really do think it's a zero chance of uh, people changing. If it's not zero, it's a very very, very low percentage chance of people changing. 
who have not already had parents who were autonomous movers or um, have practiced it as a kid up until they're 25 years of age. Yeah, there's just so many things, you know. Um, just look at how many people inside of fitness still have coaches. People who are inside the fitness universe um, who are coaches who have coaches, right? That's the ultimate sign, you know? Because if those coaches can't believe in the fact that they can be free movers, they're the ones that have to push the idea right? They are the teachers. Those are the educators to the public on the concept of it. So if they have coaches, there's no way in hell there's going to be a change. That's a sign. There'll be, no, there'll be very low chance of change. Also, um, why my 0% chance is probably right. It's very hard to do it on your own. Very, very hard to do on your own, become autonomous as a female mover. And to learn it as well is very, very difficult. Meaning now that you're just, you know, you're over 25 and you're out there in 2023 and you're like, well, I like this idea, free mover. Yeah, I can get behind that. It's very hard to do on your own. And the, like, I, I think about this uh, a lot, but I really do think that people love being slaves to the system. They love uh, being a slave to the system of consuming things and then telling everyone on social media about this process. So many people like that today. And that's what I mean when I say the chances of uh, changing that around, I think you're slim. You could ask, are there any signs out there of expression, not under the, the uh, sport body objectification banner? Are there any signs out there? Um, I would guess that out of a million female subjects in the assessment, maybe two to three, perhaps out of the million, I really do think it's that low in numbers. And guess what? No one knows them. No one knows about them. So you could take a thought experiment and say, well, what would it take then? Or what should all females do today that are um, out there, alive, brain alive, and surrounded, though, by other sheep. Um, that thought experiment, it is a thought experiment because, you know, some wouldn't even, and that's what a thought experiment is for, right? Is to put you into a uncomfortable thinking area purposely, right? But uh, you could ask, what should females, what, are, what should all those females do today then that are out there, that are alive? Um, I can give you two ideas. Number one, cancel all your fitness membership 
you know, and take responsibility for it for yourself. And number two, cancel all your social media. And I know most will take um, a problem with number two. And that's my point. You know, that's the point I always make on social media, right? That is a sign, like I said, slaves to the system of consuming things and telling everyone about it. Um, that is a sign that because so many people think that's an irrational move, meaning getting off all social media, in my opinion, it shows you like being owned by the system. It shows that you want to be surveilled. It shows that you want to do uh, have commercial interest. It shows that you want to be a part of the big system, right? It just shows that. It shows you want to be watched. It shows you want to have all your favorite things sent to you to purchase. And I'm not going to give it, you know, I will another time, but I'm not going to give it any, um, I'm not going to be empathetic whatsoever to the comment that would come back to be like, oh, loneliness today, people need connection. Nah, fuck that. That experiment, you know, we were sold that by Zuckerberg. Connect the world and connect everyone. No, that was a horseshit experiment. I'm not saying there aren't some people and some females that get connected and stay connected with people today due to the phone. But you have to also at the same time do the thought experiment of asking that question, what should all of them do then? What should all those females do if we're talking about creative physical expression for most that leads to longevity? That's not sport. That's not body objectification. What should they do? I just told you what you should do. Cancel all of your fitness memberships and take responsibility to do it on your own. And number two, get off social media completely, right? Completely. Now, if you're female listening in or someone who's responsible for teaching females that are listening in, spend time on number two, right? Don't worry. It's not a dark, gloomy space. There's a number of humans out there. You know, there are people you can just walk, walk 10 feet, say, Hey, how you doing? Look them in the eye, shake their hand, have a conversation, right? And guess what's going to happen? You're going to realize, wow, I wasn't on my phone for like 20 minutes. I learned something crazy, you know, and no one knows you talk to them. You know, it's just those little examples of that. So if you're female listening in, don't worry, you don't need to get off it, but you need to spend time on the question of why you're on it, truly why you're on it. And you need to go beyond that example of like, oh, it's for work and we do these things on it. Okay. If it is, then create a, just a, a work account, right? Oh, you know, anyways, I, I don't want to have to go down that road, but spend some time on it, please, asking it. And when I say those principles, right, because the first, you know, this is what you're going to do is the third portion of this, of course, but I'll just mention it in case we don't forget, is, of course, um, <clears throat> the first is cancel your memberships. Second is get off social media. Third is, is Monday, Wednesday, Friday. What? You do hard physical challenges. What do you do Tuesday, Thursday, Saturday, Sunday? You do easy and long physical challenges. The caveat here is, of course, for this number three, 
or what we talk about for move every day under that idea, it it also means you're eating real food and you're learning every day, right? So if you can't, you know, go back to my point, if you if you say, oh, I can't can't learn more every day, then you need to eat better food. You need to eat real food and you need to move every day. I hope you know what I mean by that. I mean, all these things work together, right? Why, why do you think you stopped learning after university or high school? Why do you think that uh, you can't learn every day? Do you not believe in the fact that if you move every day and eat real food, you actually can open up your mind to think better as your physical capabilities start to diminish as you age? Right. So with doing hard physical grunt challenges, Monday, Wednesday, Friday, grunt to me, hard, right? Think about that. Unsustainable contractions, Monday, Wednesday, Friday, and then sustainable contractions, Tuesday, Thursday, Saturday, Sunday. And all mean the world is your, what is the world is your oyster? I never really got that. Anyways, uh, there's a lot of options for those. Okay for your lifetime. And guess what? No one's going to know anyways. <laughs> but just remember that they all work together. If you eat real food, as I'm saying this, I can just imagine some listening just still don't believe it. Anyways, in case you don't know, if you do eat real food, you think better. Wow. Fascinating, isn't it? Hope it's fascinating if you just learned that. Hope I just ripped down, you know, uh, someone spending like two hours a day listening to some nutritional pundit on the newest research on seed oils. <laughs> Spend their whole life studying these things. When, yeah, uh, how about if it's just real food? What happens then? Oh, well, everyone knows it just takes care of everything. Oh, interesting. So why are we learning all these things? Why are these university settings? Why is this whole, oh, it's just therapeutics. Oh, owned by medicine. Interesting. Mm. Oh, and big pharma. Oh, interesting. You know, sorry. Um, sometimes I got to keep that in my mind and not say it out loud. Eat real food and learn every day. It will help you with your cognition and your emotions. So if you're, as an example, a young girl listening in, right? Um, and you're like, no, James, I, I want to change. I can change. I see it in front of me. I want to be a free mover. I'm excited about it. I want to get behind it. Okay. Here's a simple example. Um, Monday, Wednesday, Friday, do yoga. Tuesday, Thursday, Saturday, Sunday, hike. Okay. Don't tell anyone about it. Don't videotape yourself. Uh, hike unplugged. Okay. You can keep your phone on you if you want um, for emergency, but uh, maybe don't take it and hike in a smart location. Tell someone where you're going beforehand. Okay. Simple. Um, and if you're interested in more information on that without giving you an answer, that's good. If you're like, but how much uh, yoga and how long should I hike? That's good. You're asking these questions, right? It's good you're asking these questions, but how about we do it as consistently as possible 
And then you discovering that you can come up with your own physical progressive challenges for one year. And then you come back and ask me more. Okay. Here's another example. Monday, Wednesday, Friday, uh, go to a uh, $9 a month global gym, right? This is of course uh, an in-between if you're not going to give up your fitness memberships uh, and do full body machines. Okay. If you don't, if you're not down with full body machines, do um, home uh, gymnastics movements, push-ups, lunges, hangs, jumps. Yeah. Sit-ups. Okay. Monday, Wednesday, Friday. Those are unsustainable contractions. For the other example, do full body machines at a gym. Okay. Monday, Wednesday, Friday. What did you choose the Thursday, Saturday, Sunday? You run, run a small amount, run more over time. One day run hard. One day run long. One day run uphill, run cross country, run on asphalt, run by the beach. Okay. Uh, Another options, Monday, Wednesday, Friday, wrestle, grapple, you know, whatever the terminology would be today. I hate to classify it because my lack of knowledge in the area, but jujitsu, um, I'm sure there's some, you know, self-defense slash mixed martial arts slash, you know, forms of physical challenges on Monday, Wednesday, Friday, you could do. And on Tuesday, Thursday, Saturday, Sunday, swim, bike. Now, the thing with those three, and I could give you, I don't know, maybe... 67 other uh, examples of that. The thing with that is that it also, we have to remember it also induces satiety. Right? You got to remember, by the way, this also induces satiety. What I just gave to you as an exercise program for females, if you're listening in as to what you should do, right? It, it, it satisfies and it creates satiety. It does not create. So the other options that are out there, they're going to uh, push you into a cycle of cortisol inducing sugar binges. And these cycles of food neuroticism and macros and nutritional science and gluten-free cookies. <laughs> so those other examples that I've given you as an example, one, Monday, Wednesday, Friday, yoga, Tuesday, Thursday, Saturday, Sunday hikes. That's satiety. It, it won't it won't push you into binges. The specificity of female training. I remember. I forget what uh, what was the culmination to the point of Paul Check's DVD back in the nineties. Can't remember that. He called it uh, Jane training Jane. I think that's what was it. As in like Tarzan is the male, Jane is the female. Um, gosh, I'm so happy I remember that. Did I mention I was going to be 50 in January? Yep. Um, but female training specificity culminated, I think, around the 70s. Again, I would refer to you to WTFHappened1971.com. <laughs> um but it did really in the 70s. It was the intersection of this growing um, research academia physiology. It was in, uh, the intersection of Title IX. I can't remember the exact dates on that, but questions around it. Uh, Roe versus Wade is an obvious you know, 1970s thing that happened that had 
you know, no major repercussions specifically for female physical expression, but uh, females, female rights, you know, this was in conversation and civil rights legislation in the, in the 60s, right? So the concept of training the female, training Jane specificity, it probably started, I, well, not started. It was, it was probably a height of it in the pre-internet era in the 70s. Because uh, the 80s, it was the global gym rise. It's not the only thing that happened, but local rec centers, the global gym rise is bodybuilding, weightlifting, powerlifting, et cetera. And then the 90s. The 90s, we had this interaction um, um, with the internet and increased chaos and subjectivity in the fitness space. Um, and people have to remember boomers had teenagers, that were listening to Nirvana or Madonna at the time. I just give you an example of that for the nineties. People only focus on, well, who are the adults in the nineties It's really important to remember the context of family and the context of who are the children of those nineties. Cause they had gen X children. Right. And that just puts them all together with regards to this whole movement of female specificity of training. And so if you have now 20 years of this thing, I'm not just putting it on one area, but the female training specificity and essentialism of the female is important, then now when you have the Paul Check DVD on female training, training Jane in the late 90s, it just makes sense, right? I remember, and I don't know who, how Charles played a role in that, but Paul Aquin and, and uh, Paul did play together on that. And it wasn't only that DVD, but it did highlight some important things to think about. Um, it's very easy for anyone to just choose, especially when they get into that. I would just, I would uh, ask you to uh, um, read the book, The Essential Difference, to get more into that. But um, or you can go the therapeutic realm and say, you know, if females have this disease more than males, you know, or, or what is more prevalent for teenage females in diseases and, and medical issues versus males, or, you know, long-term, what do males die of uh, more so than females? Or, you know, you can go, and I call that the therapeutic uh, paradigm investigation. I don't think that's the place to go to look at essential differences. I don't think it clouds the story, but I'm not, that's not what I'm talking about here. Anyways, all that time from the seventies and the seventies, um, conglomeration of all those things, the 80s global gym, uh, the 90s on the internet era or the growth of uh, um, the big internet era. Um, and then, you know, culminating up to what I gave in an example of Paul Check's you know, Training Jane uh, DVD. Um, what it pointed to us as beginning coaches at the time was this, this real difference between males and females. And that was really important to lay the story out, right? What female training is and why it's important and uh, not, you know, and to not to give in to what was and is more so politically pushed today of these fears that people have of just wanting to classify everyone as a human um, and forgetting that there are some differences that need to be taken place, especially when it came down to physical expression and creative physical expression for the female. Um the brains, the brains are different. Uh, sexual organs are different. Uh, muscle physiology is different. Fuel usage is different. Mechanics is different. Um, temperament, mood, emotions are different. Now, the amount of differences or what uh, one would call the, um, the effect size differences at the extremes and at the, at the, at the maximums or the averages, right? The average differences are significant. There are some significant differences in those. And 
inside of everything I had said there doesn't mean that one's better than the other, but they are different, right? And uh, and when I when I finish with right, um, I have to ensure you understand what I mean by that. I'm I'm saying it just um, as a as a as a normal thing. I'll just put at the end of my conversation as that I wish you I wish you to agree with me. Now you don't have to. I just want to mention that. <laughs> but uh, there there are some, and I, I mean I, I don't even have to. I could talk about my personal. Um, love that I have for this difference. I talk about this all the time. Um, and this this uh, difference, and um, hence my more recent dive into the education around feminism has is an obvious, you know, interest of mine based upon that. But this culmination from the 70s, 80s, 90s, and my teaching and my education and the experiences of 30 years of coaching, tens of thousands of consults and assessments, I don't even know. I'm going to even. I'm going to lay a number: hundred thousand plus designs written, possibly, out of all these people that I've worked with, thousands and thousands of individuals. Um, I would probably say sixty to sixty-five percent were females. That's just something. To, for example, um, my wife is a female. I have two young girls. <laughs> um, I had an older sister, a younger sister, also a younger brother. I of course had a mom. I had two grandmothers. I've spoken about this before, but. Um, I do have some experience in this particular area, not just with females around me, um, but inside of my vocation for a long period of time, all culminating in what I appreciated in those differences. Now, the reason why I bring that up on the back end of this in creative physical expression for females is that those are important things to know. In physical expression, why and what are some of those differences? I'll just name a couple of them and without getting robust in each of them, but they are important. For example, males don't have menstruation. I'm not sure where you're getting your information today if you think that is the case. Um, and if you do actually have any form of media that brings that up that questions this, I suggest you turn it off or find other people to listen to. But females have menstruation. And that is a physical expression difference that one needs to know about in differences in training. Why? Because throughout, I'll just be reductionist in it, in a 29 and a quarter day period, there are some biochemical and therefore cognitive and emotive variances in the month. If there are biochemical and cognitive emotive variances in the month, that could possibly mean psychological variances in the month that are consistent with that over time, right? I just want to let you know, males don't experience this, right? So I'm just pointing that out and use the, the male is the counteracting to this to show you the difference in that. Now, why is that important? Because in physical expression, if you're just to quote unquote, write something on the board and you have 10 males and 10 females out there, do you see how it's a disservice first and foremost to the females? First and foremost. Does this mean that what you wrote on the board is a masculinized uh, patriarchal attempt of power? No, it doesn't. It just means that's a stupid prescription, right? And I could go on and on about individual prescriptions for that. But no, in physical expression, you need to know that there are some differences. Number two, males don't get pregnant. And unfortunately, I have to say it again, if you are listening to any media or anyone who says that it is a possibility or even leans into the possibility of a question, stop listening to them. 
find someone else to listen to. So number two, pregnancy. In different trimesters, it yields varying requirements for physical activity. And remember what we're talking about here. This is for females, right? So it is an essential difference, and it is important that you know this. It is a lengthy conversation, which I will not have here. But for pregnancy and each of those, um, I like to approach the whole thing, just in my own personal opinion, uh, years prior to pregnancy, and then it leads up to pregnancy uh, post, and then multiple children concepts, theories around that overall health and well-being, et cetera, et cetera. It you know it all works together, but that is a an essential difference that one needs to know if we're going to have this conversation around physical expression and what it is going to be for creative physical expression for a lifetime. Um, I would think again, uh, in the cognitive area, psychological area, intuition should be more important for females over the, let's call it the plan and execute, um, masculine version. I think a lot of the things that are inside of, uh, physical expression and physical expression prescription today comes from a masculinized version of competition and performance. And I just don't think we've had enough time to practice that or base it upon anything. So I think that we should take the idea of intuition being highly relevant in most times for female physical expression programs as opposed to males. Now, what do I mean by that? Um, I do think and this is my own personal opinion from my experiences of 30 years and, and thousands and thousands of consults, I think that building self-confidence in knowledge towards autonomy early on for females in the program design and in leading them towards autonomy, but the building the self-confidence leads to them actually having a better intuitive sense as to what they should do, a better intuitive sense. And no, it doesn't mean that males can't do it. No, and no, it doesn't mean that's a weaker form of a homo sapien because they're more intuitive and they're not falling prey to the plan and execute plan. No, I'm just saying that we should focus on uh, intuition in female physical creative expression over the plan and execute idea over time. And last, and I, as I'm thinking about this as I drew up a list, um, just the mechanical and uh, variances, you know, simple, simple, not just, I should say, biological differences. Um, that were the list that I mentioned earlier, but one of those things that, especially for modern times, we forget to think that these this perception that we have of body fat percentage for females, on the extremes, of course, it's not very good for long term health. But if we we're looking at the absolute, um, you know, healthy range for males and the absolute healthy range for females, the female percentages are higher, and that is an important thing to recognize, so that you don't just answer. The question back with, well, what should this be? Or, you know, if we're concerned, whatever, if you are, I mean, I'm more concerned about people's efforts and consistency as opposed to how they look or how they show up. But if they are, if we are considering this, you just need to know for reproductive health, did you know that a higher uh, perceived body fat percentage in most cases is going to lead to increased health for females? But a higher body fat percentage perceived wise for males may not result in that. Now, I'm not saying it also doesn't, you know, um, 
go against the fact that you can actually improve uh, hormone capabilities or balancing for males based upon improving their body fat percentage. But in most cases, it's been in groups where we looked at overreaching males and came to that conclusion. So I don't know if it's the body fat percentage change that made the difference or really just took them away from the cortisol-inducing you know, physical sacrifice that they were a part of. Now, that does make things different, though. So for physical expression for males and physical expression for, for females, are there any differences? Yeah, there are differences. And those are some you need to know. Menses, pregnancy, intuition, and body fat. I'll just put the, I'll say menses, pregnancy, intuition, and uh, biology, biology. Okay. Very important that you understand that. And on the back end of this conversation of female creative physical expression, that's what we should be thinking about. And anyone else selling anything else other than this, <clears throat> they're either a fraud or a sport coach or a doctor, right? Or the therapeutic, you know, therapeutic authoritarian figure, right? Wanting to give therapy. That's why I just label it as a doctor. Um, a sport coach is not going to be mentioned this, right? They're going to be saying, well, we could take care of that, but they're just using the sport paradigm, uh, which is largely based upon points, prizes, pain, um, performance, those other P's, I forget, but that's what they're basically going after. So that whole history of the female specificity or female training um, didn't start because I didn't give it a, you know due credit. There's lots of great writings out there, um, you know, about the, as an example, the American powerlifting, American weightlifting, American let's call it physical culture movement in the late 1800s and early 1900s. There's there's great readings out there. So I'm not saying um, just in the 70s, that's where it started, but I'm saying that there's an, a culmination of a lot of things that you can't turn your back on. Okay. And that culmination led to the global gym and that global gym uh, led to the internet and that internet led to this mass, you know, unknown and this unknowing and this unlearning of what is right, you know, um, but what I took from it in the experience and in the trenches was the differences, the differences between males and females. And I love those differences. And I think that you need to focus on those differences in order to get the best autonomous female for creative physical expression for her life. And those are some things you can focus on. Honestly, it's too easy to pick on what is out there and just say it's not a good option. You know, so if someone says, well, how about, you know, uh, they do dance or they do cheerleading. Is that a good option? Or this uh, female's like, oh, I followed this person who is a YouTube influencer and they have this thing and we share videos. Is that a good option? Right. I'm always going to say, ask yourself this question. Does it lead to long-term vitality? Does it lead to long-term sexual reproduction capabilities? Does it lead to good hormonal health in your later years, right? If you don't know the answers to these questions, you could back up and say, do you need to have recovery days? Yeah, well, that's normal, right? Everyone does. No, no. Athletes have recovery days. Humans don't have recovery days. Humans move every day. Oh, but I, I like the hard stuff. Okay, well, you're now out of the conversation. We've reached, reached bedrock in our conversation, philosophical bedrock because you're not willing to go a little further with your thinking, right? Because it just takes away what you're a slave to. It takes away what you're bought into, right? So you can see that you got to back up in steps. So whatever, whenever you're going to give me an option, and again, I'm just saying this is too easy to pick on what's out there today and say, 
you know, and answer your question. Oh, is this a good option? Or is this a good option? I'll repeat, my answer will always be, does it lead to long-term vitality? Does it lead to having uh, reproductive capability for four to five kids, even if you decide to or not to have them? And does it lead to long-term hormonal health? And if you answer that it does without even thinking about what you're participating in, and if it does not, at least I've given you some things to use as anchors. And if you are a parent, as an example, um, if you're if you aren't free, or right, if you're paying a coach for a membership, or um, uh, et cetera, they don't expect your female kids to be free movers. Just don't expect it, right? Because if you don't role model free movement, they're not going to emulate it, right? So if you want um, to have that change. And you want to see it in your kids? You gotta, you gotta emulate it. You gotta be a free mover. You can't be reliant on things, right? You can go back to my case against youth sport. If you're, if you're a parent that's in a different situation where you have kids as part of that. So if you want to have um, the future, the future that holds um, a really, really large percentage of true female free movers then first of all, change the name. Let's start calling it creative physical expression. Stop calling it exercise. Stop calling it sport. Stop calling it workouts, right? Stop calling it sesh, sessions, right? Um, change the name, yeah. Start with changing the name. Then secondly, decide upon what you mean by ultimate vitality decide upon what you mean by living a larger life and then decide upon the principles that have been proven, tested, and true. Then understand the differences. The reason why we have that wonderful thing called the male is that we can use it as a, an example of what are the differences between that male and that female. And don't be afraid to dig in on that, to dig on on some of those differences and see like I have all the wonderment and the greatest things around that. It'll lead you to a good place. Once you see a number of those differences, you'll be able to think about these things that tie into what I mentioned is the ultimate ideal version of female creative expression for a lifetime. 